I'm going to use this as a, as a jumping off point tonight. And uh, really, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and in the middle, I, I, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with this necessarily, uh, but maybe you've come across the same thing. Sometimes it seems like verses and chapters are split up in kind of weird ways, and, and when the Bible was written, it wasn't written with chapters and verses. It was split up years, years and years and years later. I think it's very helpful. Um, it helps us to be able to turn to the right, you know, to passages and see different, you know, things together without trying to unroll the scroll and see if we can find it in there somewhere. But um, Ephesians chapter 6 really is a continuation of chapter 5, and we see a lot of things about the family there in Ephesians chapter 5, and um, verse 22 for wives, verse 25 for husbands, and then chapter 6 really goes into families. Uh, we see in verse 1 about children, um, and, and of course they to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right, honor their father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and so on. But then we're given a specific command directly to fathers. In verse number four, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think that's so key. Uh, growing up, I heard and, and read that a man should be the priest, prophet, provider, and protector in his home. And uh, the, the, the older my kids get and the more my family has grown, I realize the importance of those words. And, and honestly, today's dads have, uh, I mean, just an unlimited number of how-to lists, things that they can find on, you know, uh, what to do, uh, things that we should know, and so on. And sure, it's nice to, to be able to tell a good bedtime story, to be able to change a tire, to be able to start a fire and all those things. And by the way, whether you were taught those things growing up or not, um, you should learn them so you can teach them to your kids. Um, I know plenty of... Uh, Plenty of men who were not taught some of the essential things or things that we would maybe consider to be essential things by their fathers, um, but that's not an excuse to not pass it on to your son. I, I know you can't be an expert in anything, but with the access to the internet like it is today, and especially YouTube where you can find a how-to video on anything, uh, that's something that you ought to take the initiative to go learn if you never learned it as, you know, as, a, as a kid growing up or whatever else. Go learn it so that you can teach it to your kids, the basics of carpentry, how to change a tire, how to, how to start a fire, how to do some of those different kinds of things. You don't have to be an expert on it. You just have to know more than they do, right, to be able to teach. That's, that's the way I, I taught Spanish for you know, six years. I taught the first two years of Spanish. And I can understand the conversation if people are having a conversation, but I can't speak it. But you know what? I knew more than they did, and that's all I had to know. And uh, I can teach it to them because they didn't know what I didn't know, right? And the same thing with your kids. They don't know what you don't know. You just have to be able to pass that information on to them and help them. And it helps you at the same time. But those things are important to do. But what should you be as a father? That's what I'm focusing on tonight. What traits should you model for your kids? Because I think it's important to remember that, that as a father, you are your son's first hero and you, you are your daughter's first love. Right? Your kids are going to have other heroes as they get older. Um, your daughter's going to fall in love probably with somebody else. Uh, and and, and you're going to stand at the head of the altar one day, and you're going to have to pass that hand off to somebody else who you don't think is worthy, who you don't think is good enough, but you're going to have to do it anyway, and she's going to fall in love with him. And you're always going to be the first, though. So you're not going to get everything perfect. I'm certainly, uh, certainly not perfect as a father. I don't think any father would claim to be perfect. My dad wasn't perfect as a father, and I don't think he would ever claim to be, but um, I, I think he was the description of a good father. He was always there for, for me, for my brothers and sisters, and he was trying. 
And I think, I, I think that's what we should all be doing as dads. And we're not going to be real long tonight, but I want to give you five things that every dad should be in the home. What should you be as a dad? Let's pray, and then we'll look at a few things here tonight. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. Very practical tonight. God, I pray that it would be helpful for us in our homes and uh, help us to be the fathers that you want us to be as we try to raise our children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord as we've been commanded to do. Pray that this would be a, a profitable time for us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, a dad should be present. Uh, and, and I think that's, I mean, that, that really goes right along with what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, you cannot bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord if you are not present, <laughs> right? Uh, our presence is more valuable to our kids than any gift that we could ever give them. I don't remember a whole lot of the things that I was given growing up, presents and different things. I mean, certain things stick out in my mind, but I do remember this. My dad was present. He owned his own business. He was very busy, and, and, uh, but always he, he was at our games. He was there. He was, uh, and, and, just, I, and I just still have this vivid memory in my mind of, you know, the game's getting ready to start. Starts at 3 o'clock or 3.15, and, no, you know, my dad's not there yet. And, and, you know, we're getting out on the soccer field, and we're lining up, and there comes my dad walking up the, the track. We had a parking lot and then a, uh, a big track, and, and, the, and the, uh, the soccer field was in the middle of that. And just seeing him come. You know, seeing him walk in, same thing. Basketball game's getting ready to start, and he comes right in at 3 o'clock, but, but he's there. And uh, I knew that that, was, uh, that that took a lot for him to be able to leave whatever he was doing. Sometimes he had jobs that he didn't quite finish, that he had to go back to the next day to be able to be there, but he was present. Being present means uh, a lot of different things at a lot of different ages that the kids are at, but, but reading to them until the pages are, are worn out of a book, right? I got Jackson, especially when he was younger, we read, we read uh, and, and my wife does way better at this than I do as far as reading books to the kids and everything else, but Jackson, when he was two or three years old, obviously couldn't read, but we had read the books to him so many times that he had them all the way memorized, so he could turn a page, and it looked like he was reading the book because he had heard it so many times, he had the book memorized, and, and he, but that's, that's part of being present. It means showing up for those games. It means taking an active part in their lives, but I think there's a big distinction that we need to make here as well. Um, being present just does, doesn't mean just being in the same room. Um, I think there's a lot of dads who, who are home in the evenings, um, and that's a start, but being present means being engaged with your children. Just because you're there in the same room with them does not mean that you are present for your children. Um, being in the room or at the field is better than not being there at all, but, but they need you to be engaged with them. And I get that sometimes in order for you to be there at the field, you have to be working on things because there's other stuff going on and you're taking time out of that to be able to be there at the field or, or at the, on the court or whatever it happens to be. Um, but often we're on our phones doing things that don't matter instead of being present with them. And uh, that, I think that that's something that we could very easily fall into, a trap that we can very easily fall into in, in the home, you know, just, just busy doing things that don't matter instead of being present with, with your children. One of the things that I try to do as often as I can is get out and throw baseball. We get out and throw the football and things. It gives us a great opportunity to, to have conversation and, and to teach them a skill at the same time. Same thing with the woodworking stuff, you know, they're, they're out there in the shop with me and we have conversations, but I'm teaching them a skill at the same time. And I'm not saying that that's a perfect example, but just find things that you can do to be present in your kids' lives. They need a father. Look at, look at all the statistics that you see out there of, of, of homes that are broken and how many kids are growing up without a father figure in the home. 
and, and, and how, you know, even secularly, uh, not even in a spiritual sense, we, we hear all the time about how, um, how detrimental that is to a kid's upbringing when he's raised by a mother instead of having a father there. And I think often what happens is there are fathers there, they're in the home, but they're not present. And that's what, that's what they need. To be able to bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, they need a father who is present. Every dad should be present, but also every dad should be a provider. Uh, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 5. When I say provider, I know what you're thinking. You know, he's talking about money, and that is part of it. And, and I, think that, I, I don't think there's any way that we can say anything uh, that, that that's not necessary. Because 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That is, that is really, really strong language. Denied the faith and worse than an infidel because you didn't provide for your family? But that's not the only part of being a provider for your family. Providing for your kids means more than just money and clothing and food and shelter and all that stuff. It means everything from emotional connection to spiritual leadership. You need to provide that spiritual leadership for your home. You need to provide emotional leadership. There's a lot of other leadership you need to provide for your family as well. But that is your responsibility as a father. Um, when I get called out with the, with the police to, to deal with a family who's lost a, loved one's, uh, lost a loved one, a lot of times I rely on the father to help bring order to that chaos, right? Um, I mean, it could be that his wife just died or that you know, one of his kids just died or that his mother or father who's living with him died. And most of the time what I see is whatever the father does, that's the reaction of the rest of the family. Right? And I'm not saying that a father can't cry or that you can't, um, you know, that you can't um, show emotions or anything like that. But a lot of times when the kids are wailing and crying and there's chaos and noise and everything else, a lot of times it's because that's exactly what the parents are doing. And sometimes it just takes saying, hey, can you, I, I know how difficult this is. Maybe you can try to be strong for just a few hours to help your kids get through this. They need that, right? And, and the family calms down. And then, I mean, the, the father calms down, the mother calms down, and all of a sudden the whole family is calmed down. And it's in the middle of chaos, and it's in the middle of all kinds of things that are difficult, but that's the leadership that a father can provide. And that works in a hundred other situations too. And you can be the leader your kids need by providing them with that unconditional love, that respect, that care. There's so many other ways that that can happen, and that's, that's a different discussion for a different night. But the father should be a provider, not just a physical provider, but also in the spiritual realm and also in the emotional realm and everything else. So every dad should be present. Every dad should be a provider, but every dad should also be a protector. Your home should feel like a safe place. Um, your kids get bombarded by all kinds of stuff outside of the walls of your home. Uh, that, you know, that could be what they hear and see at school. Maybe they get picked on at school. And, and you know, honestly, uh, bullying is a real thing. I'm not saying that it's not. I, I think it's, it's, it's always happened, and people have always lived through it, and people have always come out better on the other side because you learn how to deal with those kind of things. And uh, I'm not saying that there's anything okay with bullying, but sometimes that's what kids need to learn that you don't pick your nose in class, Right? So they need to learn to brush your teeth. You, you, get somebody, you get somebody making fun of you for not brushing your teeth, and guess what you're going to do? You're going to go brush your teeth. That's how I learned to start wearing deodorant when I was in seventh grade. Man, you stink. And I'm like, what do I need to do about this? I don't want people saying that I stink. I, I learned, I, that's how I learned what deodorant was, right? 
And there's all kinds of other things. It, it, sometimes that can be constructive to a certain extent, and it's good for, for people to, uh, you know, to have some of that kind of stuff. But they hear a lot of stuff, and they see a lot of stuff, and they feel a lot of things outside of the walls of the home. You know, they, 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 they see things in a store that are a detriment to their spiritual health. They're exposed to the worst that society uh, has to offer in places that, that they're innocently walking in. They're not trying to see those things, but they're going to because we can't take them out of the world, right? We can try to take the world out of them, but we can't take them out of the world. And as much as we try to protect them from those things on the outside of the home, they're going to see it. But the home ought to be a safe place. Your home should be a protection from all of that. Which again, I mean, uh, you know, the same kind of thing is, is, you know, teasing and things like that in the home is, is fun and, you know, um, maybe not at the, at the moment for the kid that's being teased. But, you know, I, I think it's, um, I, I think that you should, you should never make fun of your kids in front of other people. You know, at, that's, um, and it's not just, oh, they need to feel good about themselves. It's, you know, they, they ought to be able to feel safe. There's, there's nowhere, where can they go to get away from that? They're going home with you after the end of that whole thing, and now you've got to face them, and you just made fun of them and embarrassed them in front of everybody. And, you know, again, it's, it's, it's not about, you know, oh, I, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to make him feel bad or whatever, but it is, it is that to a certain extent, right? There, there ought to be that safe, the home ought to be a safe place. But you, you protect your home not just by, you know, locking the doors at night, but how you look after your family's spiritual health, their emotional health, their integrity, and so on. And so as a protector, you shield your family from those, you, or, or at least you should be. You should be shielding them spiritually. You should be shielding them emotionally and even physically. Uh, but there's a lot of spiritual threats that, that can even make their way into the home. You would never leave your door unlocked if you knew that there was a guy with a gun that was trying to get in. You wouldn't unlock the door and say, well, let's just hope he stays out, right? You wouldn't do that. So why do we do that with, with spiritual things with, with our kids? You should be guarding what they see on the internet if they're even allowed onto the internet. You should be guarding what they see on television. Um, you know, that, that means helping them guard their eyes when they're in public, not putting them in situations where they might easily see something that they shouldn't see. You, you can't keep them out of the world, but you, can, you should do everything you can to keep the world out of them. Uh, if you know that a movie has cursing in it or a TV show has cursing or things that are inappropriate in it, you ought not to show it. And by the way, you ought to be concerned as much about your spiritual health as you are about your kid's spiritual health. Well, they can't see that because that's got bad stuff in it, and I don't want them to see it. Well, then why are you looking at it? If it's got bad stuff in it, you shouldn't be watching it either, right? We use uh, IMDB. My wife and I both have it downloaded on our phones. It's, it stands for the International Movie Database. You can find anything that's in a movie um, you know, before you s decide to watch it. It'll tell you. I mean, people that have watched the movie will write down the things that are in it. And if you see things that are in that movie, which I'm saying, you're not, you're not watching the movie. You're, you're, you can read the description of, hey, it's got this, you know, this amount of cursing in it. It's got this you know, inappropriate scene. It's got that thing and whatever else. And I mean, that really, really limits the movies that you can watch because almost every single movie that comes out today, whether it's rated G or PG or whatever else, has cussing in it. And if I know that it's got that in it, why would I bring that into my home? I mean, and then what's the difference between five cuss words or 25 cuss words? Well, we're not going to watch that one because that one's got 25 words in it. This one's only got five, so I guess we're okay with this one. What's the difference? Right? And, and where's your level? Well, 10 is my max, so I'll only hear 10 cuss words that I'm going to allow into my home. What if somebody came into your home and started cursing your kids out? 
right, or, or started swearing at your wife in your home, you would say, this is not appropriate in here. You need to leave, right? But then we turn on the TV and say, okay, swear at me. Show me everything that I've been trying to protect my kids from, right? You wouldn't do that in a normal situation, but then all of a sudden when it comes to the TV, it's okay. So it, it shouldn't matter how popular it is. It shouldn't matter how cool you think it is. I love war movies, but you know what? I haven't watched a war movie in years because I know what's in them. And, and I know that it's, uh, it's, it's, I shouldn't be filling my mind with those things, let alone my kids' minds with those things either. Your job is to protect them from those things. Help them to get to adulthood as unscathed spiritually as they possibly can be, and then teach them how to protect themselves once they get there, right? Sometimes we shelter them so much that by the time they get to adulthood, they start seeing things that they've never seen before, and they just got to dive in headlong, right? That's, that's the way that it happened with, uh, with candy with us. We didn't have it growing up, right? Uh, it was just it was a pretty rare thing that we got a candy bar or something like that. As soon as I got old enough to start buying my own stuff, I had all my teeth rotting out of my head because I, I, I couldn't stop eating candy, right? It's, and it's the same way. So there, there has to be that protection. Um, we have to let them know that there are things out there that they need to be protected from, but we need to give them the tools to help protect themselves, Right? Right now, I'm standing there with the shield and the sword, and I'm going in front of them. I'm knocking things out of the way, and I'm, and I'm slicing the things up that need, to be, that need to be killed in front of them. But one day, they're not going to be behind that, that shield, and they're going to be out there on their own. And if I haven't given them their own shield and their own sword, then they're going to get destroyed by Satan because he's going to come at them with everything he's got. And most of the time, it happens when they're young. And they go off the deep end and they get destroyed by Satan and they get chopped down and they've never even had that defense. So what we need to do is protect them, get them to adulthood as unscathed as we possibly can, but also give them the tools that they need to protect themselves so that they can do the same thing that we're doing for them. And that's the job of the father. The job of the father is to be, a, to be present, to be a provider, but also to be a protector. And number four, every dad should be an initiator. You must be known in your home as the initiator, as somebody who takes the lead wherever your family needs you to do that. Um, if your kids are being lazy, it's your job to take the initiative and make them work, make them learn how to work. And honestly, that's one of the things that, that uh, families are failing in very badly today. Um, most kids are lazy. They don't know how to work. They've never been taught. And that's why you know, they're out there demanding $15 an hour jobs to flip a hamburger. I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't get paid for what you're doing, but, you know, $15 an hour to flip a hamburger is, is lazy, right? Go out and get a job that, that you can do something with. And, and again, it's a great place to start. I'm not, I'm not disparaging people who work at McDonald's or Burger King or Chick-fil-A or any of those other places. That ought to be, that's a great place to start, right? Um, but w w when you're putting fries in a bag and, and giving them to somebody, that's not a $15 an hour job, Right? Um, and, and, but, but, but kids have been trained to be so lazy that everything is handed to them. And so when they can't, you know, go out and make it on their own and everything is just handed to them because they're making tons of money, then they think that the world's done them a disservice. And that's not it at all. I mean, I, honestly, I think it's great to go make $7 an hour at McDonald's. You know why? Because it teaches you, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to go make something out of myself. 
And I get it. There's sometimes when people, they don't have any other choice but to do that. I'm not saying that, you know, somebody's a failure or something like that if they end up at McDonald's for 10 years or something like that. You can work your way up in that place too. But, hey, it's, it's something has to be the bottom of the totem pole to help you realize, hey, I want to move up. I, I need some kind of motivation to, you know what, I'm making $7 an hour right now. I want to make 15 I need to go train, you know, get some more training. I need to go do this to, to make myself better. And, uh, you know, but, but when it comes to that laziness in the home, find things for them to do if you have to, right? We had all kinds of animals growing up. It wasn't because my parents loved animals, I don't think. I think it was, it was because they wanted us to have jobs. And we had to go take care of them. We had 50 chickens. We had sheep and goats and horses and Every other thing that you could think of in between that we had to go take care of, and we had to feed them before school, we had to feed them after school, we had, to, we had, we had pigs that we had to feed slop to, and we had all, we had all kinds of stuff. We had a wood stove. I love wood heat, but I, I'd much rather just sit down and crank the heat button up, right? But we, we split wood growing up because my dad said, you know what, it's a great job for them to do, and I do the same thing in my home now. We heat with wood. Not because I love splitting wood, but because my boys need some work and they need something to do. And it's, it's I, I like the heat, but, you know, um, get them busy. Get an animal for them to take care of. Make them do the laundry. Make them wash the car. Make them clean the car out. You know, make them sweep the floor. Make them do the dishes. They're the ones that are making all the mess anyway. I'm not, I'm not the one walking around slapping my feet all over the floor and getting dirt everywhere, right? I'm not the one eating out of all the bowls and cups and, you know, just you know, taking one little sip out of it and put it in the sink, right? They're the ones that are doing that. Let them do the dishes. I'm not wearing all their clothes. They're wearing them. Let them learn how to do those kind of things. Number one, it's teaching them responsibility, but number two, it's teaching them not to be lazy. And there's plenty of work that can be done around the house that your kids can do, and that's the dad's job is to make sure that, that you initiate those things. They're not your slaves, but they need to learn how to work. And I think that's important. If your kids are watching too much TV or playing too many video games or whatever it happens to be, you don't have the luxury of just wishing that it was different. Well, I, they, I wish they weren't sitting around and watch TV so much, or I wish they weren't around play video, uh, sitting around playing video games too much. That's your job. You're sitting around watching too much TV. Here's what you can do. You're not going to turn the TV on. This is the jobs, and you don't, you don't do that until this is done, right? You're playing too many video games. Not, I wish it was different. Yeah, I know, he plays a lot of video games. I wish he didn't. No, your job as the father is to be the initiator and change it. You are the one that, could, that should change it. You need to initiate those things. And as the initiator then, you have to pay attention for conversations that need to happen. You have to start those conversations. You are the initiator. Your kids are not just going to come to you and say, Dad, tell me about life, right? They don't even know what they don't know. You know what they don't know. You know what they need. You have to initiate those conversations if a conversation needs to be initiated. You need to look for opportunities to bond, for activities to do to get your family engaged and so on. It's your responsibility. The wife and the mother can certainly help with those things, but it's your job to initiate what needs to be started in your home. Um, when you initiate properly, you're not only showing your kids that you love them, but you're also showing them how to lead. And that's part of the nurture and the admonition that you are responsible for. Turn over to Proverbs 13, because that brings us to the last one here. Every dad should be present. Every dad should be a provider. Every dad should be a protector. Every dad should be an initiator. And lastly, every dad should be teachable. One of the biggest compliments a dad can get, or maybe I should say that anyone can get, is that they're teachable. 
Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 18 says this, Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Boy, what a, what a verse. The person that's teachable shall be honored is essentially what it's saying. And this is not just to kids. I think this is a verse that a lot of times we like to, you know, hey, you young people, you need to be moldable. You need to be teachable. We all need to be that way. You should be known as the guy who's trying to learn rather than the guy who thinks he already knows everything, right? And you've all run into people like that. We've all been that guy at some point, I'm sure. Um, but there are always things that we need to learn. There's always things that we can do better. We can always walk closer to Christ. We can always live lives that are more holy today than they were yesterday. But every day you ought to be trying to learn something new that will make you a better dad. Study your Bible, right? Uh, you ought to be learning the Bible for yourself. Ask older fathers uh, that you admire. Ask your pastor for their advice and, and then implement the qualities that you learn from them. Even for the most seasoned dads and even for the pastor, there is always room for improvement. There's always things that, that we can do better. There's room for improvement for every one of us. And so I think the basis of everything that we mentioned tonight is that the husband has to lead the home. In order to be the provider, you've got to lead your home. In order to be present, you've got to lead your home. In order to be the protector, you have to lead. In order to be the initiator, you have to lead. In order to be teachable, you have to do that by example. You have to lead by example. Um, that's the command that God gave us, and shirking that responsibility is, is shirking our duty as husbands and fathers. This verse in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 that we read is very specifically to fathers. You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The wife is certainly there to help. The mother is certainly uh, a, an integral part of that. And I'd say my kids wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for my wife and what she does with them and how she helps out with them and, and um, you know, how she helps take care of them and, and really enforces what, what I've laid down. But it is my responsibility to lay down the rules and to, and to initiate those things and to be that leader in our home. And a father ought to be present in his family's life. He ought to be a provider physically and spiritually. He ought to be a protector physically and spiritually. He ought to be an initiator in the home. He ought to be teachable. There, there are probably a lot of other things, but I think if we can start with those and get those right, there'll be a, a, we'll be well on our way to being the dads in our homes that God wants us to be. Boy, what a responsibility that we have. Uh, this is not just a, I mean, this would be great if this, I mean, every, every dad could look at that from a physical standpoint. And they would, they would all apply. Everything that we've talked about, this whole list would all apply to, the, to a physical standpoint. But when you look at this and realize that this is a command in the word of God that we are to bring our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and we look at that through a spiritual lens and through spiritual eyeballs, it becomes a whole lot more important that we do that. It's our responsibility as fathers to lead our homes. And when we lead our homes in the right, in the right way, then we'll also be, the, the church will be, uh, the families in the church will be stronger as a unit. And like I said this morning, without families, we don't have a church. Strong families is what makes strong churches. Strong churches is what makes a strong community. Strong communities is what makes a strong nation. So it all starts with the family. It all starts at home, and it all starts with the father's responsibility of what they ought to be. They ought to be present. They ought to be a provider. They ought to be a protector. They ought to be an initiator, and they ought to be teachable. And if we can start with those things, then I think everything else will fall in place. And we'll have homes 
that God's pleased with. We'll have homes that have children that are growing up that will be brought up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and they'll be well-equipped to go out and do battle with the devil and do just fine. Let's keep that in mind. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for an opportunity to share these things, some from your words, some very practical, and it is a very practical message tonight, God, but each one of us needs it, myself included. And God, I, I pray that you'd help me to be the father in my home that you need me to be and that you want me to be and that my kids need me to be so that they can grow up and be successful as Christians. And God, I pray that you'd help each one of us to lead our families in a direction that's pleasing to you. We thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. A lot of times we don't have an invitation on Sunday nights because it's more of a teaching type message, and this is too, but maybe, maybe, maybe there's something that, that God spoke to your heart. Even for ladies, uh, this, this is really something that, you know, obviously the fathers need to take the lead in, but this is something that, that can be a help to the ladies as well. Um, but maybe God spoke to your heart about something that you could do better, that you should be doing better. I don't know. I'll, I'll rely on the Holy Spirit to do that work. But as the piano plays, we'll have a short time of invitation.